So, folks, I am so excited to have Krishna Mohan on the DealQuest podcast coming up. He has such a varied background that uh, impacts uh, all types of deals in terms of what he's done in the past, in terms of what he does now, helping clients. Krishna, just tell the people about some of the things they're going to hear on your upcoming episode of DealQuest. Yeah, Corey, um, this interview is an interesting interview where I cover my first deal and how I turned around and sold it to multiple sound figures. And then I shared my thoughts on um, building business credit for business owners and how important it is during these times and what kind of options these business owners are having right now to raise capital, unlimited capital for their business. And then also we discuss about the habits, you know, the good habits of using debt, whether what's a you know a good habit to use debt, what's a bad habit, and how do you make sure that you have the financial discipline to not only raise capital to pay on time. And then we discuss about the core values and how freedom is important for me in my uh, my career and life. And then we talk about you know corporate you know experiences versus uh, running business on my own, and talk about uh, helping companies on growth, uh, helping companies on you know funding and financing, and you know, a few of my experience in working with business owners and my outlook towards small businesses and how they need to pivot to not only uh, you know, survive, but thrive beyond 2020. Yeah, no question. And, and uh, there's so much good information there. And you know, one other piece that I'll mention that uh, Krishna talked about was really how companies that work with bigger companies might have a, a master service agreement and MSA in place, but they're not really good at being able to get the actual projects under that. And he gave yeah. some great insights into that area as well. So folks, check out Krishna Mohan's upcoming episode on DealQuest. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Krishna Mohan is an entrepreneur, business coach, speaker, and number one best-selling author. He's been seen on Fox TV and multiple media outlets. He's president of Genius Visionary. Krishna has a deep grasp on understanding of business through his extensive experience working in manufacturing, consumer durables, telecom, information technology, energy, and data center industries. We're going to have his entire bio, which is very impressive in the show notes. So I'm not going to read everything, but he's got 20 years of experience working with uh, three Fortune 500 companies to help them grow through sales and development and finance. He's been involved with several uh, mergers and acquisitions. He currently owns and operates three businesses in real estate, business consulting and retail. And he's an acclaimed speaker at various events and boot camps and management trainings. I'm thrilled to have Krishna on the DealQuest podcast. Krishna, welcome. Thank you, Corey. It's my honor to be on your show. Yeah, well, so listen, uh, I'm excited because you have such a diverse background and we're going to get into, you know, how that affects various deals you've been involved in. But 
before we go there, I want to take you back to when you were a little kid growing up, uh, maybe mm-hmm. 10, 12 years old. Uh, right. What did you want to be when you when you grown up? Because my guess is, you know, not not many kids I know are, uh, uh, you know, are planning on getting getting into the deal space at that age. <laughs> but you tell me. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, Corey. And, um, back during my childhood days, um, I was always dreaming dreaming to become a doctor. <laughs> and then, um, you know, right around the, my teenage, by about 15, 16, I realized that that's not what I want to do. But my excitement was more towards, you know, getting into corporate world, getting into white collar jobs, attracted to that, uh, you know, lifestyle, the money and the opportunity. And that's how I got into, you know, sales. And I chose sales as my way to the top. And then I, I got into GE and, uh, you know, was with them for almost like nine years, handled several management roles, did a lot of things within the space of sales, marketing, business development, and then, you know, transitioned to, you know, Whirlpool, worked on different divisions in institutional sales, government sales, so on and so forth. Then went on to another telecom, Fortune 500 company, I was in management roles, then finally, you know, it's always like some something always bothered me, whether it's bureaucracy or not having the independence or, or a lot of challenges that, that these big corporations face. And then you're a small you know, needle in the haystack. And then I thought, okay, let me go and start working for smaller companies and make a big difference. And then I, I started uh, working for you know, small to medium-sized companies, work for an IT company, then work for a data center company, work for a business analytics company, help them along the way. It's very, very satisfying. And then I realized that, okay, now that I have the experience with the large companies and the smaller companies, then I think the, the natural progression is entrepreneurship. You know, Why not I start my own business? And that's how I started an IT company, sold it for you know, multiple you know, seven figures. And then uh, 2015, um, I started Genius Visionary, where I started this company, you know, identifying the problems in the market. So I found, you know, a pattern across the board and identified a few problems. And then and the solutions for those problems is nothing but my services in my business. And that's how I started this company. So basically what we do here is we we help large organizations on entity structuring, market expansions, growth, due diligence, compliance, and exit strategies within the MD space. And then we also have different programs for smaller business owners where we have a business coaching practice, uh, which is genius business coaching, and where we work with one-on-one uh, with the business owner, help them to take from point A to point B. And then uh, we have group coaching and then we have you know, DIY business coaching platform, which also helps the startups and smaller companies. That's all for the revenues. And then we have a, a program for helping these business owners to get funding and financing because money is always a challenge for the you know, growth companies. And then we, we developed a program called the Genius Business Finance Suite, which is primarily helping business owners to build business credit based on EIN. So they have this strong foundation. So based on the foundation, they can grow from there. And then we have a model called partnering for growth, where we partner with companies to bring growth. In exchange, we take partial equity positions. And then we are also into 100% acquisitions. So this is what is a brief story. Yeah. So it's great that, you know, we got sort of that whole evolution and journey, right? You know, because yes. so many of us, you know, don't, I mean, you know, most people I know, 
don't end up where they think themselves. It is this evolution where you go from one thing to the next and you find your way and yeah. what you really, you know, what you're really mm -hmm. here for. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I want to, because there's so much in what you just said, I want to go back. Yes. So first yes. of all, what was the first deal of any type, whether it was some small deal as a kid or uh, your first deal as a professional, you know, uh -huh. first deal of any type that you remember doing? Well, you know, the, as far as the deal is concerned, I think the most interesting deal is an IT company that we actually were able to, it's a company which is started, but the owners are like, you know, not so active, but they have client base. They really don't know the potential of, of the client base. And they're almost like they don't know what to do. So they're like, they're thinking of shutting it off because they don't even know the selling is an option. So uh, since, uh, you know, I could uh, sense an opportunity here and then I, you know, I went ahead and said that, you know, what are you guys planning to do with this? They said, no, you know, we have these clients, they have client contracts in place, but we're not getting any business because we don't know how to take those contracts to the next level to get actual, you know, actual business from those clients. And I said, okay, here is the deal. There are two options. One, if you guys can, you know, hire me, I can make it happen, which I know that they can do that. The other option is just let it go. So that's what they're thinking. Then I said, okay, so if this is the case, here is the deal. I'm going to you know, take over your business. I'm going to give you, we agreed upon a price. I can't reveal the price, but I said, it's like pennies on a dollar. Yes. So I said, literally pennies on a dollar. Here is the deal. You know, you're going to shut this off. You're not even going to do anything. You know, I'm going to give you this. Just walk away. Just walk away. That's it. And interestingly, they just accepted it. And then fast forward within two years, I really took that company to like $8 million in two years because I have the background because I work for larger companies. I know how things work. I know how to get that done. And then that's really my deal breaker. You know, that's what made me to focus on deals. And that's what brought me to m and space. That's what is, is driving me even till date. But it's rare, you know, it, it's really rare. And, you know, sometimes you don't know where the deal can come from. You, you have to, you, you literally have to smell the opportunity or you have to literally create the opportunity in a way. So let's, um, so let me ask you this. So I, I want to apply this specifically, like, I mean, there's so many companies out there in the IT space, right? Yeah. And, yes. And so, you know, some of them run nice, nice businesses. They make yeah. some money, money yes. for the owner. Yeah. Um, you know, but they are, it's very competitive. They're very, yes. a lot of them very yeah. generic. They're a dime yeah. a dozen. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you take a business like that, scale it, and then eventually exit it in a way that yeah. you get significant uh, money? So, yeah, let me explain you, right? In IT, you know, IT is a very broad term, right? So we have product companies, we have service companies, we have staffing companies, we have federal contracting companies. We have companies doing specific things within the IT with specific target segment. And within the segment, what I realized is almost in, in most of, except for Silicon Valley type of companies, um, but most IT companies, smaller companies, they really are not good at business development and sales. Right. They do well because of the industry. They really do well because of the code or the software or the problem that they're solving for the client. And thereby, interestingly, I have the background, so I understand technology also. I understand you know, how that industries work. And I also understand sales. So, so it, it really helped me to, to, to identify, like, for example, a lot of these software companies, IT companies, they have these master services agreements signed up with these billion-dollar companies. 
And then they have to go to the local projects and then they need to you know, bid for local projects. But that's just an, oh, that just gives you the entry, but that doesn't actually give you the purchase order. And then you need to, again, put in the effort to actually get that purchase order through RFPs or through proposals or to really know who is the, you know, the guy indenting authority, the guy who has the need. And then, you know, navigate through that process. And if you know how to navigate that, we are, we are sitting on gold mines with these IT companies. Once you understand the value of the service that company delivers to the client, and if you understand the product that they, what the product can do for the, let's say for in a financial service industry or a healthcare industry, if you if you can understand that, and if you can, if you know how to take that to those industries, you will end up uh, getting great deals within the IT segment. You will get the most profitable companies. You will you will get companies who are really having revolutionary products. But if you know how to do that that's a key and i realized that the founders of those companies they still struggle to really take that company to the next level they still struggle to take those product to the next level they really struggle on many other levels because they're so stuck with their code they're so stuck up with their product idea it's like my own baby right you know so they're they're pretty hands-on guys they're, they're not really sophisticated business people they're not that exposed to you know exits in a way or they have less understanding about tax solutions. They don't have sophisticated uh, knowledge in those spaces. So I think that is a phenomenal area that um, you know one need to look at. So, so when you uh, talk to me a little bit about your exit of your yeah. IT company, yeah, yeah. you know, obviously you positioned it through some of the yeah. things you're talking about. And then, uh, you know, who who were the potential? Did you shop the company, or did somebody come to you? No, 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 How did no, that no, no. Come about. See, I passively looking all the time, all the time, every time. Every time, all the time, every business owner that I talk to, every product that I sell, I always try to see what is the opportunity here beyond my, my transaction, beyond my own transaction, whether it is selling a product or service or do anything with these business owners. And when I, when I look at them, I try to sense, so how is your business doing? What's going on? When we ask certain questions, the way they answer those questions will lead to certain other questions. And then I ask a few questions and, and see their readiness or openness. And then, you know, what's running in their mind is, are they looking for some immediate cash or they're looking for something else? Why are they in that business for the, in the first place? What is it that are really trying to accomplish from that? So through asking these questions, you will, you will sense because I'm looking, my objective is I'm looking for motivated sellers. I'm not only looking for stable businesses, steady cash flows, proven market, proven service, proven offering, existing team, processes, all those good things in place. But I'm also looking the motivation from the owner because the owner may not be good. Owner has to exit. Owner, Something is not right with him. He's banging his head to the wall. He doesn't know how to take this company to the next level. Those are the clues. Those are the real clues. In my case, as, as I know, I realize that these guys do not know what to do with those you know, those, those MSAs, those existing, you know, clients that they have, they did not see the potential. They, they thought, okay, I have this client, but I'm not doing anything. So maybe there's nothing much. I'm probably dealing with one or two persons in the company, but they don't know how to navigate. See, in sales, there's something called account mapping. You need to know how to map an account. Let's say, as an example, if, if, if JP Morgan is your client, as a B2B seller, you need to know how to map the account. You need to have a complete decision-making hierarchy with you. You really need to know how many number of projects going on with that account. And you need to know how do you reach to the right person 
you may not be able to reach the right person in the, directly. You, you need to know how you can reach to that guy. Yeah. And you need to know what are his KRAs within the organization. If you are VP of something, you know, how will your boss appraise you? What are those things? And if I know that, and if I fulfill those things for you, then I'm your friend. If I'm doing that level of research, then I have control in my activity. While I'm taking care of my interest, I'm also taking care of your interest. I'm making you to look good in your own organization. Yeah. Then, yeah. then naturally you will try to give me the information, talk to me or work with me because I understand you. It so makes sense. And obviously as you build that those additional projects within yes. a yes. client like that, you build your mm-hmm. cash flow. And then obviously you, you can build your enterprise value over time, which makes your company worth more money. Absolutely. So what I also realized in deals is people are not going to you know, sell their businesses or do any projects with you if they don't like you. Yes. So the number one thing is likability. As deal makers, we need to also increase our likability factor, which is interesting. It's a psychological factor, actually. I realized that. And then how, how do you make them realize? How do you make them like you? By speaking their language. If I'm talking to a business analytics company and I have no clue about that, chances are that he may not be open to tell me anything. I need to be able to speak that language. I need to have a basic level of understanding. So then his comfort level increases and then he, he tells the things that I want him to tell. Or he will be comfortable to a deal with me because he knows that the deal is in good hands. He is giving to a competent guy who knows what he's doing, who knows how to take this to the next level. And then we can structure the deal accordingly. That's a different story. But yeah. we need to first create the comfort level, right? I mean, if I, if I don't even know the nomenclature of that industry, how would, but I know, you know, it's a great deal. It's more than money, I, I think. You know, sometimes these transactions, the way they happen, it's just not always money or it's yeah. not always about the, the top top line or something. It's really understanding the situation. What is it that you're really trying to accomplish? Do you need the steady income? Then I can offer you a job. Right. Come work for me. We'll figure out a way for that, right? And then we have knowledge transfer with us. We have a competent guy working for us. We'll fulfill that. Or you want to just get out of this and then retire? Okay, we'll fulfill that. Tell me what is it that you really want? Now, obviously, you applied these principles and grew a company, and then yes. you, you sold the company at some point, yes. right? And, and then I sold the company. The reason I was able to do that is, on the other side, started looking companies where, in fact, the company that I'm talking about is primarily into, you know, staffing, you know, the, the IT yeah. staffing, you know. And uh, I looked at a company which is more towards um, software implementation. You know, they do software I, IT implementation company. Yes whose focus is not on staffing, they really do not have a, you know, a fully functional staffing division and then plug this into their business. Mm. That's it. It's a no-brainer for them. Right. So it's an opportunity for them to expand their offering. They don't have to build it from scratch. You know, yes. a, lot of bigger, a lot of bigger companies would rather buy than build because uh, they can accelerate exactly. the growth pattern and, and you really position yourself to be attractive so, to that. So you, you just plug this in because now I know they, I know their game, right? I know what is an implementation company. I know the what they do, what are their gaps, how this can, because I, I, I know how to pitch the value for them in the way they understand. Yes. Then created the value and then they need it which will help them to go to the next level. That's the way I was able to do it. And, and as I said, you know, like 
we need to create an opportunity to a situation too. That's also one of our job. I mean, that's the way I think. Yeah, you know, I, I often talk on this on this podcast about the first thing that has to happen for companies that want to do deals is that the owner and executives need to shift their mentality, right? If they haven't really yes. been thinking in terms of deal making, yeah, uh, or they don't consider themselves deal makers. I mean, anybody could be a deal maker. I mean, obviously, people are naturally better at things mm -hmm. than others. But the first thing is a mentality shift to look to always be looking for these kind of opportunities, and you're really highlighting yes. that. Absolutely, because. There's no ready to go deal. There's nothing that's ready to go available deal that, okay, it's not that simple. There's a lot of behind the scenes work that we need to do even to get to a point where I'm ready. Yeah. And if you are the person who did that, chances are you will make it. I love it. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreykupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreykupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. One of the other types of deals you do is, you know, you help companies get financing, right? Um, yes. So yeah, financing a little bit about that world too. Who do you yeah. help? And what are the, uh, you know, what companies, what are the factors in a company that becomes potentially financeable and, and you know, right. how do you get those deals done? Yeah. So uh, there are two, two parts to this, uh, Corey. One is every business needs funding and financing at some point, you know, which whether it is for covering their operating cost or, you know, like I said, you know, could be buying for buying a company or, or even buying you know, some infrastructure for the company or real estate. Obviously, there are several products available through traditional banking source. What it is, is 85% of businesses do not qualify for traditional lending. You know, that's a, that's a fact. Yes. The, the reason why that happens is two things, right? One, majority of the business owners, you know, raise their capital using their own personal you know, FICO scores, using their own personal collateral, or potentially the collateral the business has. And that, that's what is a norm. But the bigger companies, the larger real large companies, they all have business credit. They build business credit and then use that business credit to fund and finance anything that the business needs. Yes. Because they, they, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. So no one person can collateralize that. No one person can use that, uh, you know, their own personal, you know, FICO scores to do that. But the smaller companies that I saw, like zero to 20 million or even 15, mostly even 20, around that, that range, most of the businesses do not have business credit. What we do is, one is, we are obviously partnered with a lot of lenders that we help with this financing. We also have a few alternative financers to fund these projects or any kind of real estate or operating cost. But we also realize that business credit is the most crucial thing for businesses, wherein if you build your business credit uh, where you actually have a paid X score, unlike FICO scores, you will be able to raise capital based on your business itself, which means revenue financing, merchant processing financing, receivables financing, and then fleet financing, all kinds of financing. But you need to work towards that. It doesn't happen automatically. I may be an established company for 50, with 15, 20 million dollars revenue, doesn't mean that I have business credit. Mm -hmm. 
So there are several steps to get to that point, to the point where I where you separate yourself from the business, where your business is independently raising capital. So we developed this program called Business Finance Suite, where it takes about six to eight months for for a company to get to that level, where they where they can completely separate, and the entity is independent of from the owner, and then has the ability to raise any amount of capital. Now, for example, obviously it differs from the industry to industry. The key factors are, you know. There are three phases. The first phase is, you know, compliance. You need to comply to a lot of things that we make sure that you do you complete all those steps. Second phase is vendor accounts. Then you have trade accounts. Then you have unsecured debt. Then you have unlimited financing. These are the phases. You cannot skip any step. Traditionally speaking, you can get to any step right away, but that does not help you because it's not because you have business credit. It's still because you're you're using your own credit. Right. The difference is using your credit has a limitation because they treat you as an individual. And then with business, you will be eligible 10 to 100 times than your personal eligibilities. That right there is, is amazing. 10 to 100 times is a standard if you have business credit. But yeah. if you don't, then you will only get one time. That's one thing. Second thing is um, what business owners do not realize is that they are always on the hook. In business, there are chances that you fail. If something happens, then it goes back to you, your assets, your personal assets. I mean, right. that's the reason we developed the program. It works very well. Once they're into that, they're pretty good to go. And then once you have access to this unlimited funding for each one of your entity, you can replicate to every entity that you have. You don't need to be stuck with one entity because it's no longer your credit. It's about your business. Each one of your business can have separate business credit and each business is independent on its own. Sure. So that opens so many doors, and that's why we are into that, and then that's how we are helping uh, business owners. Yeah. Obviously, access to credit is crucial for a lot of companies to grow, mm-hmm. and at the same time, some companies run themselves into trouble, right? So there's good debt and bad debt. There's that uh, is. you know purposes on on what you know what when it makes sense to use debt and when it mm-hmm. uh, doesn't make sense. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? The smart way to use debt versus the way some companies run themselves into trouble. Yeah, the smart ways to use debt is, for example, right, like any debt that you have, like I, I was talking about, you know, revenue lending. If you ha- if your company has, you know, good revenues, use that and then get lending. And then, first of all, you need to get into any kind of a debt only if you have the ability to pay. Yeah, it's very important. It is very important, whether it is personal or business. If you over leverage, you're always in trouble. But if if they follow the guidelines, the way we teach, the way, the way our program you know, sets them up, they will never be in trouble because they will be in a position to pay back from that business. So for example, if you have business credit from one business, you want to buy that equipment or you want to buy this real estate, you buy the real estate and you, you make sure that you pay back and then you don't commingle anything with other businesses or your personal money. So you are separate, your other businesses are separate, this business is independent. So if something is happening with this business, it is limited to that entity itself. Now, there are so many uh, situations that we see the business owners start using business money or they use they put their personal money into the business and they, will, they, they cannot pull the money from the business or so many things happen because of the, that, that kind of you know, commingling situations. We don't encourage them to do that. But as long as they can stick to that entity, the, that purpose, and then have a plan to pay that back, then they can really increase the limits like 
so much like if you, if your initial you know credit limit is let's say 200k for your uh, for for your business you can increase to 300 400 if you're paying promptly and then increase to 400 500 and now you have access to 3 400 thousand dollars just for one business that's a serious money yes. now you yeah. go back and do any kind of a deal with that if you start messing up with that then you lose what you have because even if you if we get you the best paid x score it's a responsibility to maintain that paid x score it's one thing to have 850 credit score it's another thing to maintain that yes yes that's where you know the good and bad habits of managing the debt comes into the picture but at a very basic level if you separate yourself at least you are safe at least you are doing the right way of raising capital for your business and then be prompt be on time because you get net 30 terms all situations you know whether it is dell whatever if you want to buy computers you can get net 30 terms and as long as you start paying promptly your scores are good and then most important thing is business credit is visible for public yes so you you can't hide yourself if you do anything you know beyond this then your vendors are looking at you your future deal makers are looking at you your customers are looking at you that doesn't give a good picture about your business like unlike personal you cannot look at anybody's personal credit you know but in business anybody can look at your business credit so it's, it's very important that you really really are responsible in managing that debt that totally makes sense and and you know responsible use of you know debt really makes sense whether it's you know to do acquisitions whether it's to expand yeah. product lines hire yes. talent mm-hmm. um you know buy yeah buy real estate as opposed to you know paying to lease it i mean there are a lot of good reasons to do it it's just you got to do it right and you got to and you got to make sure that uh yeah that, uh, that you're going to pay it back <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah initially they get zero percent to 12 to 18 months the business credit cards they can really get some serious money with that and use that as your down payment and then you know do some deals yeah you know yeah. Uh, and then you have time you have 12 to 18 months and then pay it back on time so yeah. that's phenomenal but again discipline is very important and, you know, my experience in all the industries we work in, which are pretty broad, is that there's still, you know, despite, uh, you know, we're recording this in uh, actually right, right after Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. late November, and it's still, you know, COVID-19 time. But, mm-hmm. you know, my experience is there's still a lot of capital out there for businesses. Is that yes. yours as well? Yes. Capital is out there. There are a little bit of, uh, you know, restrictions, tougher underwriting guidelines, yes. um, I would say. But the capital is still there. The key here is, again, it going back to basics. You know, if you have business credit, then you have options. If you don't, then your options are very less. Yeah. yeah. Because they're really looking at very closely with everything. You know, they look at your banking habits. They look at, you know, because today they want to be safe, you know, because well, there are many businesses failing right now because many, many businesses are not doing well. It's almost like this entire year. We are done with this year now. How will a bank underwrite your business with your declining numbers? Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, it's such a, there are plenty of businesses struggling and then there are some that are doing so well. It's, it's, I've never seen, um, I don't think I've seen an economic situation where there's such a split. Yeah. In, uh, you know, some companies have really benefited from this pandemic uh, and yeah. are, especially the larger companies and mm. certain people in certain niches who've been able to, or have been able to pivot and then yeah. some are suffering so much. Yeah, so you know it's adaptability, right? You know, adaptability to technology, adaptability to you need to change your habits, right? Like you know, prospecting habits, reaching customers, your supply chain, 
these are big things. And as an organization, if you're prepared for those things, then the transition is a good transition. You know, you're really setting your company for, for future, even beyond pandemic, you know, you know, we need to look way, way beyond 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, otherwise, you know, like I said, we lost one year. Many, many companies did not adapt themselves. Smaller guys, they're struggling because they're not, they're not ready. They did not expect. They're not comfortable. Even, you know, I cannot do this if I don't do these things. I'm not going to do business if I'm not going to have dinner with you. If I'm not going to do this if I'm not meeting you face-to-face -face 10 times. It doesn't work now. You should be comfortable dealing with them over Zoom. You should be able to look at electronic documents. You should start becoming more flexible. You cannot be stuck with the old values right now. Yeah. And listen, innovation and creativity are always key, but in challenging times, they become even more. Um, and, you know, as I've said on this podcast uh, many times, challenging times actually are often the times for the biggest opportunities uh, yes. as well. It is definitely the biggest opportunity. Look at e-commerce industry. Look at look at Amazon, right? Look at, there are so many mom and, mom and pop shops. They're really doing well because yeah. it's a, world has become a level playing field right now and if we are not if we if we are not adapting guess what your competition could be in some other country you know you, you never know you know yeah. so which are, depending on my industry i need to be aware of everything you know i cannot be stuck with my local market i cannot be stuck with this i cannot be stuck with that i need to look at you know everybody's adapting including education system they have to adapt yeah it's not an easy one like I said, in the because of the virtual situation, everything has become a leveling field. So what it means is you're inviting so much competition. Yeah. Coming from unknown space. Un unknown competition is out there right now. Yeah. 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 You know, so adaptability is very important. Making use of your resources. Make best use of your resources, right? Like I said, going back to your credit. Educate yourself, make use of it. And then build your company or buy your buy buy the next next company. Do something. If you don't know how to use it, you're losing an opportunity that's available for you. But on the other side, you're still struggling with your revenues. Yeah, totally get. It. So, Krista, you do a lot of. I mean, you you know, you gave a good summary earlier in the podcast about the various things you do for businesses, not only the financing, but also mm -hmm. you know the consulting and coaching and growth strategy and all that kind of stuff. If people want to find out uh, more about the various services you provide, what's the best yeah. place for them to go? Yeah, the best way to reach out is my email, which is krishna at geniusbusinesscoach.com, or they can visit geniusbusinesscoach.com, or they can visit geniusvisionaryinc.com. What I can also do for your audience, if they're interested, I can offer a 90 days you know, free business coaching from our online academy, which is Genius Online Academy. So if anybody is interested, they can write to me at krishna.geniusbusinesscoach.com. I'll be happy to enroll them. Oh, that's great. So that, what, what a generous offer, folks, uh, you know, free 90 days and yeah. online business academy. That's uh, I really appreciate that, Krishna, for the audience. So my final question on the podcast is always uh, about my highest value in life, which is freedom. And for mm -hmm. me, freedom, uh, you know, means everything from freedom from oppression for all people around the world to, uh, you know, the reason I'm an entrepreneur, I don't work for somebody uh, to, to be free to uh, build my life and my, you know, and, and my business and, and uh, you know, the way I wanted to and serve my clients the way I wanted. What does freedom mean to you and how does it apply in your business and life? The freedom is ability to do, you know, what you want, you know, when you want with whoever you want. Uh, but at the same time, the freedom 
is important you know even for me in my life is because it helps me to um you know think it helps me to um you know spend time with the with the people that i want to spend my time with in my life yes. and it also helps helps me to focus on the things that i want to focus on which i did not find while i was in the corporate world because there are so many things that i want to spend my time with i can't do that right now including spiritual uh, pursuits including few other things that i do which which is important for me because your life your career both happen simultaneously we don't have things separate so time is the most precious thing so the freedom that i have money gives me time freedom in my life and that time freedom will allow me to spend my time at the places or with the people that i want to spend my time with that's freedom for me love that answer that's fantastic uh, krishna thank you so much for being a guest on the deal quest podcast Thank you. Thanks a lot, Corey. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Deal Quest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the Deal Quest community. Join the Deal Quest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.